I want to this morning look at a very familiar passage uh, in the scripture, teaching of Jesus on the, the parable of the soils from Luke 8. <clears throat> Luke chapter 8. <clears throat> and I'll read the, uh, the first 18 verses of that scripture. Luke chapter 8. <clears throat> now it came to pass afterward that he, Jesus, went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And then he mentions some other folks that were along, some women who he'd, he had healed and so forth, and who helped him. And picking up again at verse 4. And when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. <clears throat> but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. No one who has lit a lamp covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand, and those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear. For whosoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken from him.
So let's look at this parable and the lessons that Jesus taught. Now the parable is this, Jesus said to the disciples, the seed is the word of God. And the sower in this case is Christ. He had been going around uh, preaching in the cities and villages the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. We saw in verse 1. In Mark 4, where it records this parable, Jesus is sitting on the in a boat and the crowd is on the bank. And he's preaching to them on the seashore. And what is God's purpose for this seed? For every seed that he throws out there and uh, scatters, that it sprouts, that it be nurtured, that it would grow and be fruitful. And some did. In verse 15, some endured all trials and temptations and hassles and whatever and brought forth fruit. But there seems to be, and abundantly, but there seems to be a high attrition rate. A lot of seed did not reach maturity. It didn't produce fruit. And so we read all the way through 18, which includes this uh, verse 18, which includes this very sober warning. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Be careful how you listen. Pay close attention. And the point being here that those who seem to have or think they have and don't really have are going to lose even those things which they think they have. There are other places in the, in the New Testament where Jesus or the Scripture talks about losing what we've had uh, after the parable of the talents where Jesus gave, where He taught of a man who gave talents uh, to His servants, one five, another two, another one in Matthew 25. And at the end, when he took account of their, of their productivity, he uh, said, he took the, one, the talent away from the one who just hid it, and he said this, For unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And similarly, after the parable of the pounds, unto everyone which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. In Luke 19, 26. Be careful how you listen. A hearing is a wonderful thing. The hearing that Jesus is referring to here is how people listen. 
and how they respond to the truth that they've heard. <clears throat> and in this crowd of people on the shore, the hearing varied. Their attitude and their openness to the truth varied. So we have several types of, of people here on the shore. <clears throat> well, we don't know just what all, how many categories were there. But there were the path people described in Jesus' parable. Some fell on the wayside. And Jesus said that those on the wayside are the ones who hear and the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts. That, that heart is hard. And when the seed hit, it like just bounced. There was no softness, no place where it could uh, take root and, and grow. <clears throat> Resistance to the sea, maybe even hostile to the sea. When Jeremiah was in prison in uh, Jeremiah, uh, the, the prophecy, a message came from God to him. And he had his scribe, Baruch, write it down and told him to go read it in the temple because Jeremiah was imprisoned and couldn't. And a prince was there in the temple and heard this. And he asked Baruch to come and read it to other princes, which he did. And they feared the message that they heard. And they wanted the king to hear it. And they were apparently expecting that the king would respect this message from God and be fearful as well. So when they told the king about the message, he wanted to hear it. And he sent Jehudai to get the scroll. And Jehudai, if I'm saying that right, uh, read it to the kings and all the officials in the court. And it was in the winter and there was a fire uh, close there beside the king. And Jehudi would read a little bit from the scroll and the king would cut it off with a knife and throw it in that fire there next to him. And the servants urged the king, don't do that, don't burn that scroll. But he did. He disdained what they said. He was without fear he uh, was not impressed at all with, that, with this word from the Lord. He burned it up. Hard, hard. And I remember as a child hearing that story and feeling a horror at the king's defiance to God's message. But the world has many people out there like that that just despise God and the word of God. They are hard to it. They try to destroy it. Maybe there were some hard-hearted listeners on the shore. We don't know. That the word entered their heads, ears, but it bounced. Then there are the stony ground people. <clears throat> some fell on rock, Jesus said. And as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And then when he was explaining it in verse 13, 
He said that these are the folks that here, they receive the word with joy, but there's no root. And they believe for a while, and when things get hard, they fall away. The soil is shallow. And in, in uh, Israel, in places there was limestone, rock, just a few inches, very close to the surface. Not much soil there. So starting out joyfully, this sounds good. I like this. But it was shallow. Not enough soil, not enough nutrition, not enough moisture. And when opposition came, when criticism came, persecution came, difficulties came against what they had embraced, they quit. They shriveled up. Jesus said he didn't come to bring peace and harmony between everyone in the world. When we come to him, we have peace with God. We're part of a kingdom that, that is at peace with God, but that brings us into conflict with the kingdom of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of this world and all the viewpoints and attitudes that come from that kingdom. <clears throat> So this, this seed landed and it uh, sprouted and it withered and it died. <clears throat> then there are the thorny ground people. Thorny ground people. In verse 7, some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. <laughs> and Jesus explained that the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. So the seed is there. There is enough soil there, but there's competition. The cares of this world, the riches of this world, and the pleasures of this world compete with the, the good plant that has started up. <coughs> Weast translates this cares as the pressure of anxieties. The pressure of anxieties. The stresses, the worries that loom large and can overwhelm us. And eyes, our eyes leave God like Peter's did when he was walking on the waves. It might be health, it might be providing for our needs, relationships, griefs of all sorts, and many more could be listed 
under that category of cares, the pressures, the stresses of anxieties that can bring us to take our eyes off of God. Or he says riches, possessions. Jesus warned about that. The the epistles warn about that. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the Gospels record the uh, account of the well-to-do young ruler that Jesus loved, who uh, was possessed by his possessions. And, And when he came to Jesus, realizing there was a lack in his life, he turned away and walked away sadly from the greatest treasure that he could possibly have found. It's people who are valuing something greater than what is most valuable. And pleasures, enjoyment of anything that would distract us from God. It may be innocent activities, of which there are many. Innocent activities, enjoyable activities, but the priorities are unbalanced. If in the right place and in the right proportions, they would be good. They would be uh, recreational. They would be good. But when they're out of balance, then they begin to have an effect on us. They start out as time absorbers that limit our time with God. They've taken enough time and maybe a growing amount of time that they're taking time away from God. And time absorbers can come become preoccupations that replace our thoughts of God. So we're no longer so much thinking about God as we are absorbed with this this uh, activity. And preoccupations can become obsessions in some cases that actually take the place of God. And when that happens, then it's become idolatry. Amusement, enjoyment, pleasure. It can be innocent. It may be sinful. Sinful things would fall in this category. All sin, we heard last Sunday, is harmful to us, some unto death. Dabbling with sin weakens us. Pursuing and practicing sin, living a life of sin, kills us. And we could go through long lists. of actual sins, sinful habits. So this is the thorny ground. Most of us, we're rural enough that we understand gardens and most of us have had gardens and raised gardens and we know what happens in gardens with thorns and weeds. We understand the parable. 
We know what happens, what they do. The thorns choke out the good plants. And what has happened with many Christians is this, that the thorns in their life get nurtured instead of the good plants. It's the thorns that get watered and fertilized and are given care and attention. And the thorns thrive and the good plants are neglected and they get crowded out. They're unhealthy. More thorns grow. And the more they grow, the more the good plants get hit. Not necessarily killed, but stunted. Severely stunted in many cases. And they bring no fruit to maturity. There may be fruit even starting. There may be fruit there, but it's stunted and doesn't flourish. <clears throat> and sometimes Christians with thorns in their hearts can become okay with it, accept it as normal. I mean, they're doing spiritual things. They have to be in order to be Christians. But it isn't all right it isn't what God wants. It isn't what God desires, what He purposed for those, for that seed. It's harmful on many fronts, and it affects not only us, but those around us. It can affect our church, our families, our testimony, our usefulness. It's not what God desires for us. So what do we do with thorns in the garden? What do we do with our gardens at home? We get rid of the weeds. We deal with them. And if we have thorns in our hearts, in our lives, with God's help and God's promises, they can be dealt with. Applying this spiritually, <clears throat> I think a simple summary of the situation is this from Romans. One place that would sum it up, Romans 8 and verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit the things of the Spirit. So if the Spirit is not in control, guiding, guiding and strengthening us with His life-giving presence and power, then it's the flesh. And not just in the sense of wickedness and being hostile to God, but a lack of the grace and the life of God. And living more in our own strength and relying more on our own talents and our own intelligence and our own experience and skills and effort 
than on the power and grace of God. Now, if the, if the Spirit is not present, then we're not a Christian. That's made clear in the Scripture. But a thorn-infested Christian is suffering weakness. He's not thriving. He's not fruitful. I remember when uh, they were evaluating my dad whether he could uh, be put on hospice care. There was a, a term, an expression they used. Was it failure to thrive? It was something about thriving. That's the way I remember it. Maybe we could ask the doctor. Failure to thrive. And so they would conclude this person is dying. He's not. The life is there, but he's not thriving. And so uh, when these cares come on us and these pressures of anxieties, uh, flood our life and we can um, feel overwhelmed and despair, what do we do? I think we need to confess, repent. Instead of frantically trying to fix it alone, pray to God, cry out to God and trust Him and praise Him. I thought about Paul you know, Paul knew about a thorn also. He says in 2 Corinthians that he had a thorn. He said it was a messenger of Satan to buffet him, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart me. And the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, he called it a messenger of Satan. We don't always know where these things come from. But in this case, he identified it as a messenger from Satan. It doesn't really matter where it comes from so much as how did Paul respond and Satan, we can be sure, with anything that he would bring and that God would allow, let me quickly add, powerful God, the all-powerful God uh, filters things, and he has a purpose too. Satan had a very different purpose, and Satan's was to discourage Paul, to bring him to despair and frustration, maybe even anger, whatever. And seeing that as a way to um, hinder Paul's great ministry. But <clears throat> Paul did not yield. We don't know whether that thorn even sprouted. 
the thorn of, this, of discouragement. He had a thorn in the flesh, no question. That stayed. But if there was a thorn of discouragement, he jerked it out of the ground, out of the soil of his heart, and threw it aside. And he said, Therefore, when he, when he thought about the grace of God, my grace is sufficient for you. When he thought about that grace, he could rejoice. I told a couple people how not long ago I was lying awake one night kind of stressing over some things and I was burdened about them and I was praying about them, but I wasn't feeling a great peace at that point. And, but I was praying and um, a, a little uh, tweak to a children's prayer song popped into my mind and it came out this way, God is grace and God is good. And we thank Him as we should. And it just blessed my heart. God is grace. And it's a great grace. And God is good. And I thanked Him. I claimed that truth. And I thank God for that truth. And as I worshiped God there in the dark, it blessed and strengthened me. And the problem wasn't fixed, but I was in better shape. And I, I felt peace. And I can't say that that thorn of anxiousness was completely rooted out, but it took a hit that night. Jesus said in Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Now that, that is one level of um, cares. You know, where's the grocery money going to come from? How are we going to pay this bill? When we're burdened about other people and souls and things like that, that's another dimension altogether. But in the same way, we take those things to God and don't let them overwhelm us. God will not let them overwhelm us. And riches, Jesus talked about the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for things and how people get confused about what will make them happy, what will bring them the most satisfaction. It's fleshly thinking, it's not spiritual thinking. And may God help us to recognize any of those kind of thorns in us 
that we would confess it and crucify it by God's grace. And pleasures, whether sinful or just messed up priorities that have become a problem, we recognize those thorns and we confess them and repent. And by God's grace, we can crucify them. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Last Sunday morning, we heard the last verse of 1 John 5. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Another way to say that would be root out the thorns in your life. Idols are thorns. Again, a simple summary of this parable could be this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And after the thorns are gone, when we've identified them and dealt with them, we've confessed and repented and yielded to God's Word, what do we have? We have good soil. You know, good soil isn't born that way. No heart is born good. So all good soil had something that needed to be dealt with. Granted, some is in better shape at different points in life than others. So I'm thinking about, especially, I was impressed reading this parable again, with the thorny soil and what can be done. It's not a hopeless thing. I used to think, when I read that soil, I thought, okay, the, the, hard, the hard path, it never came to life. The stony ground, it sprouted and died. The thorny ground, it sprouted and struggled and died. But it doesn't tell us it died. It was stunted. It can, bring to, it can lead to death. It can come to death. But the thorny soil is um, not without hope. Several, you know, he says here, we saw that we are to listen carefully to the word. And, and the good soil that is listening to the word, it is responding to what it hears and committing itself to what it hears, to follow, to obey. And several scriptures, just practical scriptures that I've been meditating on, meditating on the last while. <clears throat> James 3, 
think I'll take the time to read a few of these. Uh, 13 through 18, right at the end of chapter 3 of James. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom, this boasting and lying and envy and self-seeking, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. A spiritual person, uh, when he sees a thorn starting to sprout, a thorn of envy, and self-seeking, and bitterness, and sensuality, whatever, that's earthly stuff. It's dug out. It's pitched aside. It is dealt with, repented of. The Spirit rules. Uh, 1 Peter 1, and verse 22 since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. So here, a heart purified. Thorns dealt with. Confessed and repented of. And now filled with the spiritual fruit of the Spirit. Loving sincerely. And fervently, the flesh will always fail. But the word and the grace of the eternal God endures. And in those hearts of good soil, it will bear fruit. The word will bear fruit as we respond to it. Romans 6, a few verses there. Uh, describing people moving from a thorny and sickly and unproductive garden to fruitfulness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your bodies as slaves of righteousness for holiness. 
For when you were slaves of sin and producing thorns and nurturing thorns, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For in the end, for the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Another scripture. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. A great passage to meditate on as we uh, live and go through the day and all kinds of opportunities come to us and thoughts come to us. And if any of them are thorns, any of them don't match up to what this describes, we want to pull it out. Just some practical See, this is a practical parable. It's not just uh, instructional, it's practical. Practical instruction. Jesus said, others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. That's from Luke. And when he described it, he said in verse 15, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Mark says it a little differently. Other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some a 100. Now, does that mean, I don't know if that means that the 30-fold still has a sprinkling of thorns and the 100-fold all eradicated? I'm not sure. But we do know the truth is that thorns are a hindrance Jesus told us in this parable that there are different kinds of hearts. And we mostly looked at the thorny heart. And I'm encouraging us, and I believe the scriptures encourage us, that if our heart is marginal good, if our heart is quite thorny, wherever it is between thorny and the good soil, the best soil, the soil that is most pleasing to the Lord Jesus, if we're on the wrong side of the ledger, we can work on those thorns by the help and grace of God. And the importance of hearing well, that's part of the soil. 
And that if we don't hear well, and we allow the thorns to grow, we will not thrive. We will not flourish. And there is a danger of losing ground. Losing spiritually. Well, we can deal with thorns. We can. God's Spirit, if we're earnest, He will help us identify thorns and give us grace to deal with them, to confess, repent, and yield to the Spirit of God. The best, the most fruitful soil is worked over, it is prayed over, it is surrendered to God and yielded to His Spirit, filled with His Spirit. There's life, there's guidance, there's strength, and there's fruit for the glory of God. May the Lord help us all and bless you all.